so good to be here tonight. So my name is Kylie, I'm part of the team. I got a few props here tonight. I knew all the kids would be here and I got a few props. Um, who knows what this is called? Etch-a-Sketch, yep. So I bought this just a few days ago and I've been playing with it a lot. It's kind of addictive. I'm gonna be giving this little baby away tonight to one lucky person. Oh, maybe you, Nikkei. Oh, maybe you, if <laughs> you're good. My husband was like, what are you doing? Because I was playing with it for ages. And then I was like, you have a try. And he played with it for ages. He's like, it's got color on it. It's, um, you know, you do the drawing bit, but this one also has magnets. I mean, they're all magnets. This one has shapes and colors and then shapes to put back. And then you push this magical wand and it all goes away. How cool is that? I've been trying to figure out how it works, I'm not sure. It's prop number one. Prop number two is a picture of my passport. I couldn't bring my real passport because I'm from New Zealand and I have to have one at all times, otherwise I'm like an overstayer. It's my visa to be here. So I brought a picture of my passport just to be on the safe side. So my two props. One of these props is a really good metaphor for how God works in our lives. And one of these props is really bad metaphor, really bad theology, and it will lead you maybe to even lose your faith. Ooh, can you guess which one is which? No, don't let me hold you in suspense any longer. It's the etch sketch is the bad one. I know it's a good toy, but it's bad theology. Uh, because when you think of the Etch-A-Sketch, how it just wipes everything away, have you, have you got things in your life that you would prefer we just wiped away, like a regret or a missed opportunity? You didn't buy that house when you should have, and then it went up several hundred thousand dollars within one year. No, just me. That was my regret. A missed opportunity, uh, something that's happened to you a pain in your life, a broken relationship, a sin, something that you did or you didn't do. We've all got those things in our life, I think, that we would prefer we could just wave that magic wand and wipe away. Are you on the same page with me? Car issues, financial issues, weight issues, relationship issues, whatever it is. But see, we can accidentally sometimes think that Jesus is a bit like an Etch-a-Sketch Jesus. And he'll come along with his wonderful, magical, magnetic wand, however it works, and wipe all the bad stuff away. And the problem is, if you're thinking that Jesus is a magical Etch-a-Sketch Jesus, what are you gonna do if you think he solves all your problems and then he doesn't solve all your problems? I don't need to guess what you do, you'll leave him. You'll leave following Jesus, because haven't we seen that before? Someone says, well, I, yeah, I used to be a Christian, but then I prayed for this thing to happen, and God didn't answer my prayers, so now I, I, I don't follow him at all, or I prayed for this thing to happen, or not to happen, or whatever, and it didn't happen, or it did happen, and so God failed me. He didn't answer my prayers, and now I don't have anything to do with Jesus. Have you heard someone say something along the lines of that? If we think Jesus is magical, solve all our problems, Jesus, 
That is the problem we can get into. Just something to entertain you. The Etch-a-Sketch Works is a great metaphor for one specific point about Jesus, and that is he wipes away our guilt. On the cross, Jesus died, took on the punishment for our every sin, and he absolutely washes away all of our guilt. Our slate is clean. We are made new. We've got a brand new day. His mercies are new every morning, and that is an excellent metaphor for that one particular point. And for everything else in our lives, if we think Jesus is going to just solve all our problems, we're going to get ourselves into trouble because that's not who Jesus is. Look at this website I found legit website. It says, being a Christian solves all life's problems, and then it goes through some Bible verses. Not accurate, guys. This is not an accurate representation of what Jesus does in our lives. You see, God doesn't prove his love for you by answering your prayers like you hoped. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, he proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't prove that he loves us or not when he answers our prayers how we hope he will, whether he does that thing we ask for or he doesn't let that thing happen that we hope doesn't happen. That isn't anything to do with whether God loves us or not. Christ proved his love for us already by dying on the cross while we were still his enemies. So Jesus isn't an etch-a-sketch Jesus. He's a redeemer. In Romans 11, uh, it talks about God as a gardener who takes wild branches and they're all twisty and he grafts them, this master gardener, into an olive tree. We heard Pastor Michael speaking about that this morning from a special horticultural book. So I had to one-up him and get an actual picture of some actual grafting going on, which, to be honest, I had no idea what it meant. And God talks about himself in Romans 11 as the master gardener who will graft those wild branches. And he's making that metaphor that it doesn't matter how wild you were, how much on the outer, how twisty and gnarled you'd become throughout your life. He can take that and he can graft it into himself who's the tree. And it might take a little while or it might take a long while or it might take half of eternity. But at some point, you'll actually be indistinguishable from the tree that is Jesus and his life will flow through you and you won't be able to be separated anymore. That's the character of God. That's the character that Jesus has. He doesn't just throw things away. He actually can redeem them. I just love to think on it. So tonight you can call, if we've got a name for the message, Jesus the Redeemer. He doesn't just say, let's just wash everything away and pretend it didn't happen. He actually says, I'm going to take that which may have been a great, great evil, and I'm going to bring good from it. I actually have to confess that I, I actually think that is my biggest, worst flaw, that I pray God will help better in me or heal me of or something, because I like to sweep things under the rug, <laughs> and I like to pretend things that haven't happened, because it's just painful to deal with some stuff, isn't it? Uh, I don't like confrontation. Um, I just don't like it. I'd prefer to leave it until um, 
basically until the problem's gone away on its own. That's my strategy. Anyone else in the same boat? Yep. Let's just pretend that hasn't happened for as long as absolutely possible and um, hope that we get away with it and nothing else comes of it. Or someone else can deal with it. That's, that's kind of my strategy because it's painful to deal with some things and I don't like that kind of pain. So uh, Jesus is teaching me that that's a really bad flaw to have and, and he, he doesn't want us to live that way and he doesn't want me to live that way uh, because not only does he want my healing, he wants me to be able to use that to bring healing to others in the same way. So every single one of us struggles with things. I'm pretty sure I can say this. It's a blanket statement. But every single one of us, either now or in the future or in the past, struggles with things that we would just honestly rather undo, hit the undo button, hit the magical white button, make sure it just didn't happen. Those things that we regret or missed opportunities or harm that has been done to us or broken relationships, we just wish we could just wipe it out. And tonight I want to give us an opportunity to let God speak into that, to let Jesus the Redeemer talk to you about how he wants to redeem that in your life. So I've got the ushers ready with some paper and there's pens on the backs of the seats. Um, all you guys in the front row will be given a special pen shortly. What I want you to do is fold your piece of paper in half and don't worry, I'm not passing the microphone around and getting you to stand up and share or anything like that. This is just between you and the Lord tonight. Get your piece of paper and fold it over Put your hand up if you don't have a pen, but there should be one in front of all the seats. And on the top half of the paper, they're all very pretty pieces of paper. On the top half of the paper, I want you to write, just for yourself, don't have to write an essay, might just be one word, what that regret is, or that missed opportunity, or that struggle, or that hurt, that pain, that issue, is it a financial issue, a healing that you're still desperately wanting, something that's gone wrong in your life. Maybe just in a word or two, just write that at the top. And you don't have to share this with anyone. And we're going to come back to that soon. We're going to let God have his, his, his way talking to us about that. And then just fold it over and put it down for now. So out of my two props, one is the Etch-A-Sketch, and the second one is the Passport, which I'm using to represent how Jesus redeems things tonight. A few years ago, I heard this speaker. I'm so sorry I couldn't find his name. He wasn't on the internet, and that was the end of my ability to search him. So uh, I heard this speaker, and he was a he's a pastor in a church, and he started to get sick. And then he got this doctor's diagnosis that he had a fatal disease and he would die within the year. Everybody in his church is praying and praying and saying, Pastor, we're believing for a miracle. We're just believing for a miracle, pressing in for a miracle of healing. And God spoke to this man and said, this is your passport. And he's like, God, 
It's a death sentence. What are you talking about? It's a passport. But God started to reveal to him as he joined networks and joined support groups and met other men who also had this disease and other people who were, you know, um, on a life sentence. You've only got a few more months to live. And he was able to speak into their lives and support them and share the message of Jesus with them. He began to see how it wasn't just a death sentence. It actually was a passport that enabled him to go into places that he naturally would never otherwise be able to go. He said, I could have preached a thousand years, the best sermons in the whole world, and not one of those other men would have listened to me. But standing there with them under the same death sentence, and then talking about Jesus, and then saying, here's the hope of Jesus, here's the healing, here's the life, here's the message of Jesus, then they listened. And he realized that without that illness, he never would have had any influence, any door open, any passport into their lives. Isn't that just what Jesus does for us? God, you know, from the heavens, he spoke to the, the, the people of the earth over and over and said, this is the way to live and I love you and I created you, I'm your creator, follow me. And we just couldn't hear him. So God became a man, Jesus. And while he was walking under the same death sentence that we live in, experiencing the same pains, the same betrayals, the same hurts, then we could hear him. And then we could receive the message of hope that he gives. And isn't that what we see all through the scriptures as well? Uh, Joseph, his brothers, sold him into slavery and just left him for dead. That's a death sentence. But God made that his passport to end up being in the palace of the ruler of Egypt and able to, um, you know, organize for his whole family and his whole nation to be fed during a time of seven years of famine. God made that his passport when to the natural it looked like he was just off into slavery. Uh, a few hundred years later, Moses, the, the king of Egypt said a decree, all babies under two-year-old had to be put to death. And one of them is Moses. Was he, what, I don't know, a year or 18 months or something? That's a death sentence over his life. But God made that a passport so that he ended up in the palace. And that made a way that years later, he was able to demand an audience with the Pharaoh. In the natural, he would have been an Israelite slave, never able to just demand audience after audience with the, with the Pharaoh of the land. Esther she was just a young girl. She was taken away from her family, from her land, married off to a king who had heaps of other wives and who could execute them on a whim. Looks like a really bad deal. End of all her choices. But God made that a passport for her to be able to have influence into the ear of the king so that she could actually be influential in saving her whole nation. I want to put it to you today, I want you to start to think about that barrier in your life, that, that regret, that sin, that mistake, that hurt, that abuse, whatever it was, that pain. Imagine if you could start to see that not as a barrier, not as that death sentence, but actually as a passport. What doors is God opening up to you through that? What people who are hurting will now listen to you, who otherwise would never have listen to you. How is that thing, how can God make it a, a passport to areas where you'd never be able to go? That's what it means when he's a redeemer. He doesn't just chuck things away and wipe his magic, it just gets wand. 
He takes every single thing and he redeems it. He brings good where the devil meant for harm. I forgot that picture, the passport. Sometimes as Pentecostal Christians, I mean, Pentecostal Christians, one of the things about us is we have a huge focus on healing, the miraculous healing power of of Jesus. I have seen people healed in the name of Jesus and miracles occur, and I absolutely believe that God can heal us physically. But I also have seen that some people put all their faith and energy and all their thoughts into the healing, into the event of healing and not into the person of Jesus. And that's a mistake. And then if they're not healed straight away, what do they do? They leave Jesus, they go, well, I waited, nothing happened, I'm out of here. I can't trust him or maybe God's not good or maybe he doesn't have any power. But we don't want to put our faith into the event of healing, into the actions of Jesus. We can just put our faith straight into Jesus and trust that he is the redeemer and nothing is wasted in him, not even sufferings that we're going through or sufferings that we've been through. He's able to redeem it all. In Job 35, 9 and 10, it says, people cry out when they are oppressed. They groan beneath the power of the mighty, yet they don't ask, where is God my creator, the one who gives songs in the night? If you're in a metaphorical night, a dark time in your life, or even in a, in a physical night, if you're up worrying in the night time, cry out to God in the night who can turn that worry into a song. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 27, what I tell you in the darkness, shout abroad when the day comes. Another translation says, what I whisper in your ear, shout it from the housetops. When we hear the comfort of God in our nighttime or in our darkness, then when we're strong, that's for us to share with others who otherwise would never listen to us. 2 Corinthians 1, 4-5, it says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So it's not okay for us, as God showed me, to sweep things under the rug or just pretend things haven't happened or try and wipe them away and not deal with them and just hold our breath until time passes and we can sort of forget about it and tamp those feelings down and down and down until they don't hurt so much anymore. It's not okay. Not only will it not heal us, we'll have nothing to give to others. So those are the times when we need to go through the processes. We need to dig deep into God's word. We need to call out to God and cling to him until we have his comfort. And then we will have something solid and good to be able to comfort others with. I just love to think on it. I think that's what he means when he says, in our weakness, he will be strong. Sometimes I say that verse and I'm trying to open a jar and I can't. <laughs> when my husband's away, sometimes we just don't have jam. If I can't open the jar, there's no one else in that house who can open a jar. It's true. Yeah, it's true. 
<laughs> there's no pickles that are being opened till Mikey gets home. Might be a few months. Oh. <laughs> it was a good joke. Maybe not worth a cheer. But it doesn't mean in our physical weaknesses, in our weaknesses, he can be strong. It really means we don't have to try and be the strong ones, but that he somehow will shine out in our weaknesses. Can we just have the lights down for a moment? In our weaknesses, he can be strong. In our brokenness, he can shine out his light. Sometimes God's power means he's going to fix everything up and he will solve problems and he will bring healing. And sometimes God's power means he's just going to shine out through all the cracks, through all the brokenness. Jeremiah was a prophet many, many years before Jesus. And he said God showed him something when he saw a potter. He went to this potter's house and he said, so I went to this potter's house and sure enough, the potter was there working away at his wheel. And whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. In the New Century translation, it says the potter was using his hands to make a pot from clay, but something went wrong with it. So he used that clay to make another pot the way he wanted it to be. So you don't have just one chance at following Jesus, just one shot, one magical path of destiny at following Jesus. And if you veer from the path or you stuff it up somehow, Jesus kicks you out or something like that. That is not how Jesus works. He doesn't erase anything and he doesn't kick you out if you've become, you know, gone down a stray path somewhere. He wants to redeem it. Just like the potter can redeem the clay, he uses the same clay. God will just use the things in our lives and he uses it to make a new destiny for us. See, Dion, it says, sometimes things happen when you're working with clay. But God says, I can just reshape you into a new destiny. And Kylie, it says, sometimes things go wrong. But all isn't lost and I'll just reshape your life into a new destiny and I will fulfill my purposes in you. You see, there's nothing that is wasted with Jesus. There's no pain, there's no harm, there's no circumstances, there's no lack that's wasted if we will put it into the hands of Jesus. He says, I can redeem it. Nothing's gonna stop Jesus from having his way no path that you've traveled down is too far away from Jesus being able to redeem it. Have you ever noticed 
what Jesus called the Holy Spirit. He said, I'd give you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, the encourager, the advocate, the comforter. As I've been thinking on this week, this this word, our comforter, I realise that Jesus didn't say, the Holy Spirit will come and solve all your problems. Or the Holy Spirit will come and fix everything up. Or the Holy Spirit will come and wash away all your troubles. He said, the Holy Spirit will come and comfort you in all your troubles so that then you can comfort others in their troubles. So what, we, what we'll do now is just ask Jesus to speak to us individually. Uh, so you've got your pieces of paper there. On the second half of the paper, I want you to write on the top, Jesus the Redeemer can. And then as the music's playing, we'll just take a moment. We've got plenty of time. I'm not, I'm not going to talk for much longer. We'll just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. It might be a real surprise what He says right now. How can He redeem that thing? Joseph said, what the devil meant for my harm, for evil, God made good. God made for good. How can He make that thing and draw goodness out of it? We just ask your Holy Spirit to show us now as people are writing, as people's hearts are open, that you'll start to reveal to them, Holy Spirit, how you can bring your redeeming power to what we would prefer to just wipe away. I did this exercise myself before I came the other day, maybe to see if it would work or something. And I was really surprised with what God showed me. A point of pain in my life is that I just pour out my heart for the church. I always have. That's what I'm doing with my life. Just want to serve the church. And my husband, who was involved in the church when we first met, no longer... Uh, follows Jesus or wants anything to do with the church. That's a point of pain in my life and I'm desperately praying all these years for him to know and have an encounter with Jesus and follow Jesus and to find his belonging in the church. And to me, when I'm writing Jesus the Redeemer, I was thinking, well, obviously Jesus the Redeemer can convert him, boom, and then everything will be all right. And I realized that's the etch-a-sketch way of thinking, isn't it? All the problems will go away. So I just pressed into God. I was like, how can you bring good out of this right now, today? And God showed me that when I, when I first started coming to uh, a church, everyone was in couples. All the people doing ministry were, were couples. And being in church by myself was a difficult thing to do. And I felt like there was no kind of door into ministry unless I also had my husband along with me. And everybody would ask about my husband and I was kind of feeling like I really wasn't good enough just on my own. 
and I couldn't really do any ministry on my own. And God showed me just in that small moment as I wrote down that I can be a light to other people who are here as single people. And I can be a light to women who, who are here on their own. Maybe their husbands aren't coming or family members aren't coming or, um, or just being a woman, they didn't know they could do ministry or they're divorced or whatever. God showed me that I'm just one of the people that might be a light in that way. I was so surprised. I just pray that as you maybe take that home this week and keep thinking on it and keep praying on it, that God will show you something new, maybe something surprising that you've never even seen before about your situation or how it can be a passport into people's lives, into areas that you never would be able to speak into unless you were experiencing that pain point as well. The thing is, there is no situation too dire for Jesus. And we know that because of the cross. What was true evil, God made so much good come from it. In Hebrews 9, 12, it says, With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption. Jesus was made to carry his own wood to the top of the mountain, uh, nailed to the cross, nails through his hands and his feet until he died while they mocked him. That looks like a death sentence being carried out, doesn't it? That looks like evil is one. The Romans saw the cross as this instrument of torture, as a symbol of death and torture and uh, like punishment. But God... Jesus, through his own death and his resurrection, turned even the cross into a symbol and an instrument for life. We don't look at the cross and see torture and death anymore. We see that as a symbol of life. It's a symbol of God's mercy. It's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of hope. And if Jesus can do that at the cross, Jesus can do that to every aspect of our lives as well. There's no situation too dark, too dire, too far off the track that you've gone that Jesus can't redeem. He isn't an etch-a-sketch Jesus wanting to wash things away or pretend things haven't happened. You don't have to pretend things didn't happen in God's presence. You can just stand in front of Him and say, here's all the bits that are rubbish, Jesus. And He says, I want to redeem them. What was meant for evil by the devil, by just being in this broken world, by sin, I'm going to bring something good out of that. I just pray this week that you are amazed by it, by what he speaks to you about that. Put that piece of paper next to your bed or in your um, Bible or in your phone or wherever you can see it every day and just pray about it each day and think on it and say, how can you redeem this, Jesus? And the worse it is, the greater he can show you. Oh, I can redeem that. I can bring redeeming to that. Does that make sense? Don't throw away your future because of your past, because God doesn't. He redeems it. Even amongst us as a community of believers, you don't have to pretend that things weren't in your past because we can just show this is how it's been redeemed. We don't have to hide anything else under the rug anymore. We can say that that, that used to be happening, but now look at what God has done how he's brought redemption. Just be authentic in that. 
That's all I've got to say about that. I just pray that uh, you're able to share even next week with each other things that you've come to realise about whatever you've put down on your paper, those regrets or whatever, how Jesus can bring redeeming to that and that you'll take that understanding, those comforts that you've received from God and you'll be able to comfort others. That's the passport that he gives you into their lives. Let's just pray to close and then I'm going to say grace and we'll get into the eating. So Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the Redeemer, that nothing is wasted in your kingdom. Even those painful, painful situations, God, that you would have wished never happened to us. You desire healing not only for us, but that we would take that comfort and that healing and be able to share it with others. This week, Jesus, I pray you would speak to every single person and that as they look at that piece of paper, they would be amazed, God, by what you want to show them, how you're going to redeem and bring redeeming and bring good out of what seems so lost.